Hello everyone. Hi, welcome to History Tea Time Chat Live. Um, what are we? The 8th of November 2023. Today, I thought, and I'm not quite sure why I thought this was a good idea, but anyway, I'm going to talk about whether Edward V escaped the Tower of London. Um, yeah, let's give that a go. Let me know if you can hear me. Please give me a thumbs up. I can see people joining. Welcome. So, yeah. We're going to get into that. Um, I think maybe this will be the, the the first of maybe two on this topic because there is a new book coming out by Philippa Langley uh, about the fate of uh, the princes and also there is a Channel 4 programme. So what I may well do is I'm going to give you the evidence so far as we know it, uh, my take on it, and then maybe we will revisit it. Uh, after I've had a chance to read the book and watch the programme. So welcome. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Philippa Lacey Brewell, not to be mixed up with either Philippa Langley or Philippa Gregory, sometimes happens. No, I'm my very own brand of Philippa. Um, and uh, I'm streaming live on YouTube and Facebook and on Instagram. Today I'm going to be putting a few slides up on YouTube. So if you do want to go uh, from Instagram over to my YouTube, I am actually youtube.com forward slash British history. So um, easy peasy. Um, so there's a few of you that are excited for, um, for Philippa Langley's book. Well, let's see. I Like I say, I think this might be the first of too, because what I found when I have looked into, um, <laughs> Amanda says she prefers me to Philippa Gregory, I'm more factually accurate, thank you, although if I ever do write a book, I think I will be turning my hand to fiction, because some of the stories, a lot of the stories we've covered uh, on here and elsewhere are better than fiction, and I would love to weave in, I've got ideas about weaving it into a, to a fun story. So, um, yes, yeah, so from looking at the evidence presented thus far, like I say, not having read the book or the Channel 4 um, documentary that's coming out, I have questions. And what I hope, uh, what I propose is that these questions are what should be answered in the book and the uh, programme. And if they're not, then okay, fine. But let's, I want to propose those today. So, um, Welcome. Thank you. If you love British history, then hopefully you're loving this channel. If you're not subscribed, then please do subscribe on YouTube. Um, follow me on Instagram and follow me on Facebook. What is on Facebook anymore? <laughs> I don't use Facebook so much now. So I'm always like, what happens on Facebook? Um, I would also love, of course, for you to join me on Patreon. You can join me at patreon.com forward slash British history. Lottie Rose has bought me a badge on Instagram. Thank you so much. That is also a great way of supporting me. Uh, it means I can do things like buy the books that I tell you about, <laughs> et cetera, etc. Any of you with a book habit the same as mine will know that it's it's not a cheap collection to be uh, to be doing. Brian, you're going to be 40 on Friday. Well, enjoy. Enjoy the changeover. <laughs> Mine came a little while ago. Right, anyway. Mm. Lottie Rose, I think my cat is more factual than Philippa Gregory. I mean, we've had discussions, haven't we, about 
uh, many times on here and on History After Dark about the uh, value of historical drama. Um, and actually, we'll get into, well, briefly, very briefly, um, with this story, uh, the fact that I think I think the whole historical drama thing has done some, done, in my opinion, done quite a lot for Richard III. So let's um, let's get into this. So um, I was going to also talk about the Just Stop Oil uh, protest at the National Gallery. But I realise I haven't actually set that set up the uh, the article to talk about it. But um, uh, I will I will come back to that at the end if we if we have if we have um, time. So right on to today's topic. So from what I can gather, the the thoughts or the, the there's evidence arising actually it came out last Christmas if, if any of you remember seeing the articles that there is the potential that Edward the four uh, excuse me Edward the fifth one of the princes in the tower who went missing in uh, in 1483 that in fact he survived and uh, lived his days out in a in the middle of Devon which is uh, south in the southwest of England, and worked um, on the estates of Thomas Gray, Marcus of Dorset, who was a son of Elizabeth Woodville and therefore half brother to Edward the uh, Fifth. Um, and yeah, that he 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 lived out his life, and this is evidenced by a his tomb in the church at Coldridge. That, that then has has evidence um, or clues that 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 it's actually uh, that actually Edward V uh, is buried there, uh, died at the age of forty one, and, and is buried there, having un, uh, having gone under the name John Evans for uh, for the rest of his life. So, if we roll it back a little bit, in case we've got people who don't know the the story, in um, April fourteen eighty three, Edward the fourth dies just before his 40th birthday quite unexpectedly in that he'd been a healthy robust uh man in his younger years especially you know at, at least and um he did then sort of uh what would we say he um relaxed into into the life that peace brings uh perhaps over et his uh, his uh, grandson henry the eighth would do similar um and uh, well Manda we Manda's saying this sounds like a theory someone's um yes maybe made up we we shall go into it um so yeah so Edward IV dies unexpectedly he has a son he has a, he has an heir and a spare in fact he has Edward Prince of Wales who has been living at Ludlow Castle um the the uh the 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 seat of the head of the Council of the Marches. So it's on the Welsh border. Uh, he's, he's Prince of Wales. He's been learning his craft, if you like, there. Um, he also has a brother, um, Little Richard. Oh, 
pushing to a little richer than was not a singer. Um, Duke of York. Um, yes, Duke of York. So he has an heir and a spare. Should be fine. The, you know, all right, he's 12 when Edward the Fourth dies. Little Edward is 12, is 12. Not ideal, but also not unprecedented. And so it is uh, taken that, of course, Edward becomes Edward V. So the 12-year-old boy becomes Edward V. We're going to probably go into a period of a protectorate, a regency, however it would be set up, with maybe um, a, a, a council or a, a regent. Of course, his uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, is still around. He is... Um, he he is he's proven himself loyal to the crown over and over again. It, when his brother was was uh, was on the on the throne and fighting for the throne, and you know he's got a long history of fighting for the country. Um, and um, and so when, but of course, but sorry, but let, what I should say is when um, Edward the Fourth dies, you have Elizabeth Woodville, his his wife, so the mother of the boys. The Woodville side of the family um, is sort of vying for power now, along with Richard, Duke of Gloucester. So you almost have the two sides of the family because you've got this. Uh, we're going to be going into a minority-style government. There is there is this vie for power as to who's going to lead. They're not really up for working together, it appears. So. Um, the, the Edward V is at Ludlow, and um, he is, uh, I can't actually remember who goes to pick him up. Someone goes to get him, or starts to bring him down to London. Of course, he's going to have to have his coronation. And his uncle, Duke, uh, Richard Duke of, of Gloucester, intercepts them and sort of takes custody of Edward, but for his protection, and brings him to the Tower of London. Nothing actually odd about that that is where you potentially would go yes I think it was an Uncle Rivers yes Amanda I, I can't remember exactly who if someone wants to google it please feel free and let me know in the comments um so so he's taken to the tower nothing unusual particularly about that this is where uh monarchs would prepare for their coronation um also uh but but um Elizabeth Woodville is actually in sanctuary at Westminster Abbey at this time She's not so sure what's going on here, and she. But she is persuaded, and I say persuaded. Um, there are troops involved. There's probably a few threats involved, but she's persuaded to give up her next son, so Richard, uh, Duke of York, who is nine years old, and so both brothers are now in the tower. Um, to all intents and purposes, publicly. Uh, it is, you know, it, it is shared, well, we're preparing for the coronation. And then um, Richard uh, declares that actually there has been new evidence that's come up that, in fact, the marriage between Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville, thank you, Amanda, Anthony Woodville, second Earl Rivers. Thank you for that. Um, so, uh, the, the, the marriage between Edward the Fourth uh, and uh, Elizabeth Woodville, so the parents of uh, Edward the Fifth, as he was being called, and uh, Richard Duke of York, 
that their marriage was illegitimate and uh, it was it was void and therefore the children were illegitimate therefore edward couldn't inherit the throne um all due down to a, a pre-contract that edward um supposedly had with another woman before he married um elizabeth i i don't know what the pre-contract um meant if it was relations well he had relations with quite a few women just having my tea on tea time live so the brothers are now in the tower they are now declared illegitimate but it's okay because uncle richard um is in the in the yorkist line he can do the job he can do the job it's fine um now he um so then he and and his wife are crowned so him and his wife and neville they're crowned on the 6th of july 1483 so Edward the Fourth has died in April 1483, and by the 6th of July, this is the beginning of July, uh, Richard III and his wife Anne Neville, uh, so well, Richard and his wife Anne are being crowned king and queen. Um, and there's a, a brilliant um, chapter in Nicola Tallis's book, which is actually just behind me, uh, the, the, about Margaret Beaufort, the uncrowned queen, Margaret, um, the, the fateful life of Margaret Beaufort, I think it's called, the tagline. And um, she talks about the, um, the, the, um, uh, the role Margaret played in the ceremony. She actually carried Anne Neville's train. Now, what was also interesting is there were already rumours flying around these boys have been seen in the tower playing and then they're not seen. And the period over which they're not seen extends and rumours start to circulate that they are perhaps no longer there, no longer alive. But it's very uncertain. And um, in Nicola Tallis's book, she talks about the potential that Margaret was actually involved in a plan to rescue the boys um and then the plans stop when people actually begin to just accept that the boys are no longer alive by whatever means I mean you you could um that there are there are theories even for people who who think that they were definitely that they definitely died in the tower um you know, of course, the the main one being that they were killed on the orders of Richard III. The other one being perhaps they were allowed to die. The plague was um, uh, was uh, ravaging London at the time, so did they catch plague? And therefore, so it's more neglect or negligence in terms of their care. Um. So. The, I mean, and the idea, I think I read somewhere, or I did read somewhere that this is idea that um, that no one actually accused Richard of this at the time, that actually it took till Shakespeare um, around 100 years later. I'm not so sure when he wrote um, when he wrote this, but when he wrote Richard III, but that that. That, the, oh, that this only came about with Shakespeare sort of 100 years later. But it's not true. Um, there was a Venetian painter, um, Bernard, I think, Bernardo. Man Mancini anyway sorry Domenico Mancini don't know where I got Bernard from um and he actually is writing an account of what's happening in England during um during 1485 and um 
And um, he presents that in France in 1480, in January 1484, powerfully implies that Richard has killed his nephews. And um, and this is, it, it, it's a shock in the continent, but people are giving it credence. Um, and then, of course, you have um, Thomas More writing in the... Um, uh, in, in Henry VIII's reign, um, and he's writing that um, that, that, that the boys were, were murdered by by their uncle. Now, here's where the historical drama link comes in. <laughs> Talking a little while ago about Philip Gregory, and you know, yes, okay, factually, probably not great, but has really pricked the interest of people to get into into their history. I would argue. And I don't think that um, I don't think that certain people would agree with me, but that Shakespeare actually could be seen as a reason why Richard III uh, has so much interest today. He reigns from um, well two years, doesn't he? July fourteen eighty three until the Battle of Bosworth in August fourteen eighty five. So incredibly short reign. Um. But his his legend, his story continues, and and now you have a, a he has a big following of people who really want to understand his story um, fully. Um, I would go so far as to say that there's plenty out there who want to um, sort of overcompensate re um, the 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 maligning of his character to a point where uh, the 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 danger is that you can ignore actual evidence um, by wanting a complete sort of, yeah, re reconfiguring and um, <laughs> sort of making someone out to be to be to be wonderful. Now, Richard III, um, when he was Duke of Gloucester is implicated in the the murder of Henry VI as well. This is not a man who wasn't prepared to get his hands dirty, literally or figuratively. So the idea that someone can be purely one thing or the other, you know, evil or not, um, or, or, you know, benevolent and kind, I just think is in the majority of um, human beings, let alone kings of the uh, 15th century, is, um, it's, it's a bit of a fool's errand. Um, but anyway, that's why I think Shakespeare has probably done Henry, uh, so excuse me, Richard III, a bit of a favour in that his stories about Richard III have given people a reason to to get into his story and see, well, is that true or is he maligned? Now, um, so some evidence was um, produced or published last Christmas. I think it was around Christmas time that a tomb in a Devonshire church uh, in Coldridge, or Coldridge Church, I think St. Matthew's, um, is uh, holds a tomb that seems to hold clues that potentially, well, clues that actually Edward V was uh, allowed to live in exile in Devon by his uncle um, and live his days out quietly there. 
the tomb ostensibly is to a man called John Evans. And here we come to the first, um, well, the first I've picked out anyway, um, clue, in inverted commas, that um, that, uh, that Edward is here. So if you're on Facebook or YouTube, this is a picture of Coldridge Church. Um, any of you watching on Instagram, it's just a very, it's a very pretty old church. There you go. It is 15th century, although it appears to have some earlier features, which um, I'm not sure they haven't mentioned those. Um, actually, I'm going to take a little step back because um, 1676, I think it is, 1670, excuse me, 1674. We're in the reign of Charles II and some bones are found at the Tower of London. So this is a story that has endured into the Stuart period. And when bones are found at the bottom of a stairwell during some works, the bones are um, decided that they are or likely to be those of Edward V and his younger brother, Richard, Duke of um, York. And um, and they're reinterred at Westminster Abbey. So again, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, I have put up a picture of um, of the what do you call it an urn, the monument in which the bones are held. Um, if you're on Instagram and you want to go over to my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com forward slash British History. Um, and in this urn, like I say, is uh, the these bones deposited. Um, and they identify them as Edward uh, V and um, and Richard, Duke of York. It's in it's in Latin there, if you see. But that's 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 basically what it says. Um, and it is these bones that have been um, the the focus of uh, argument um, argument and. Uh, interest intrigue about um about about basically dna testing them to see if they actually are the bones of edward v and richard duke of york his younger brother um if they are then that would prove they they were still in the tower um and that they died in the tower and that for some reason they weren't given a proper burial which i think is telling as well that even if they did die um that um they uh yeah that they weren't given a proper burial they were never shown you know um the body wasn't prayed it, it was it's it, it, very not unusual that's a really bad way of putting it um for a king's body or you know a previous uh, monarch's body to be um to be shown so that people knew that they were actually gone. Um, in Westminster Abbey, uh, so if any of you want to go and find the urn, it's actually in the same chapel as Elizabeth I and um, and her sister, but you can't tell her sister's there, uh, in, in the same um, aisle as, uh, as Elizabeth I. So within the Henry VII chapel um, on the left-hand side. <laughs> so uh and it's it's right at the end alongside um uh there's there's a uh one for, i think they're both queen anne's or certainly one is one of the babies of um queen anne as far as i remember but yeah so it's these bones that that want to do um 
DNA testing. And I found an article um, from um, 2012. Um, I will put a link in the show notes on YouTube for anyone um, and yeah, uh, for anyone who wants to go and check these out. But it's um, uh, an article about Dr. John Ashdown Hill, who was pivotal in helping Philippa Langley. Um, as far as I remember, I'm sure he was involved in the um, in the discovery of Richard III's body. Um, yes, he definitely was. And he um, he he died um, uh, unfortunately about ten years ago now, maybe a little bit more. But before he did, he had um, tracked down a descendant of. Um, Elizabeth Woodville's sister and had uh, proposed that through her DNA they could identify the bones as the the boys uh, in the tower as the princes in the tower so I am certainly not an expert in uh, bones or in DNA retrieval from bones that are 500 years old um and whether at the um generational gap of 16 and their cousins so i think it's cousins 16 times removed something like that um whether that actually is or is not um solid science i don't know but that's where um i think that um sort of thought comes from as far as i'm aware there are no plans for the bones to be exhumed at the moment um people were holding out hope that they would um would be under uh king charles with with the queen the late queen elizabeth ii um was not going to allow them to be exhumed um it's uh i yeah Manda, uh, manda's put i doubt they'll be able to pull dna from the bones the problem i have with it if you're interested in my take on that is um is to exhume a burial uh i think we need more than curiosity which is effectively what we actually do have 500 years after their um their death it's curiosity we're not going to do anything with that information other than the story um and uh, if you exhume the bones and then there isn't enough DNA, you've exhumed the bones for um, without um, a reason. Um, yes, Becky said, I read somewhere that Charles might be amenable to testing the bones. I think it, that's based on a comment that he made while he was still Prince of Wales. I have since read an article that um, basically he's sort of quietly gone off the idea because uh, really for some of the reasons I've just said, um that the likelihood of being able to get a dna sample from the bones could be quite low could be very difficult to actually prove anything what you would prove is that the bones found in the tower were actually those of the princes you could not um i, I think it would be a completely different thing to be able to um accurately decide you could probably say when they died, depending on the size of the bones themselves, actually, without doing the DNA, but how they died. And of course, you would never be able to say who killed them, which is the main um, thing. What it would show is that Edward V isn't in a church in Devon. Um, yes, they did use DNA for Richard III. They did. Yeah. Yeah. 
What I don't know is the reliability of the science is, is what I'm saying. Um, and Richard III, of course, wasn't exhumed from his, well, he was exhumed from his Christian burial place, but it had been decimated, uh, yeah, over the years with the dissolution of the monastery there. And then, um, yeah, and then all the development that happened after that. I suppose, luckily, it was a car park. Had it have been a site where a building had been, um, whether his skeleton would have survived, it depends when that development would have happened, I suppose. But, you know, whether the the due care would have been taken in developing a site, depending on the time that it was done, it's another thing. Okay, so... So we have this church in Devon, a place called Coleridge. So like I say, this is the southwest of England. Um, beautiful church. And we have someone called John Evans who is buried there. Now, um, give me one second. Just try and get my connection back on Instagram. Sorry, Instagram, hopefully that will come back soon. Um, Right, hopefully, am I back on Instagram? Sorry about that. So yes, yeah, so we have this church in in Southwest England in Devon. Now, uh, yeah, I'm going to come back to where this actually is in 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 a little while. There are supposed clues on the tomb of John Evans. So um, John Evans has an effigy on his uh, on his tomb of him. And um, can I move myself on here? I'm not sure I can. I'm going to remove myself completely from the picture on, on YouTube and Facebook. So we have the effigy of uh, of John Evans. He looks like he has chainmail on uh, underneath his sort of arm, uh, uh, maybe armor plate. Don't know about that. And and a sort of uh, coat over the top. And there is a shield on the top right. So he's on a pillow and on the top right, there's a shield. And this shield is um, is apparently a shield, like a jousting shield. So, um, um, so this, was, this would be synonymous with a knight, someone, maybe a soldier. And I couldn't find a good photo. I'm going to have to go and visit the church myself on site. It's not very close for me, but I, I think I'm going to have to go and have a look. Um, the shield has on it, um, and like I said, I couldn't find a clear photo online of this, but the shield is supposed to have on it E-V, um, E-V-A-S. So instead of Evans, it's Evas, if you like, E-V-A-S. And the thought here is that um, the E is for Edward, the V is for the fifth. The A, um, an S, are basically uh, meaning in in sanctuary in exile. The Latin Latin version for that. Now we come across the first issue here in that one. I, well, like I say, I can't find a clear photo of it. I need to go and have a look. But there is supposedly a marking above the A, which was not uncommon to mean kind of a missing letter or a missing I don't know if it's specifically a missing n or a missing letter but it's 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 before the stat before we had standardized sort of lettering for things and spelling for things when we had well, not when we had the printing sort of spelling came in a bit long uh, after that but anyway 
that, it, that this is not unusual to have um, like a little squiggle above to represent a, a missing letter in this case, N. And therefore, if that is true, if that is the case, then it doesn't say E-V-A-S. It just does say Evans. Um, and like I say, the shield is um, so synonymous with a soldier. There's chainmail. Now, if we're talking Edward V, Edward V is 12 when he dies. He's not done any soldiering. He's not done any jousting. Um, so, um, yeah, so we've got um, some comments coming in about the, uh, yeah, the 16 generations between two people uh, must be hard to prove. Just as an aside, well, as an aside, what you also have to, um, you have to remember is if you are going to say that DNA has gone from this person to this person to this person to this person to this person, you've got to be, I suppose this is why it's the female line, actually. Is this why, because you've got to be sure that that person is actually, um, that'd be why it's the female line, isn't it? You've got, you, you, well, I'm saying this, but if, 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 um, if there's any doubt, there could be doubt of to who actually is, you know, the ancestors of who, if you see my meaning. Um, and apparently that happens quite a lot, but I'm wondering whether that, what, that's why, one of the reasons why it goes down the female line. Mania, very good question. Does John Evans have descendants? I can't find anything. Apparently they don't, this again is why I'd like to go and see the tomb because there's nothing about whether there's any representation of children. Of course, that is quite um, uh, common on, on tombs of this time. Um, so, yeah, don't know. Um, so, right, so he's, he looks like he is some kind of soldier or jouster. Um, he, so John Evans himself is supposed to have been a parker, literally worked in the parks. And again, I couldn't find a photo to share or can I, um, no. Okay. Couldn't find a photo to share, but anyway, the, above, uh, the, above the tomb, apparently again, near the tomb is a stained glass window and in it is a depiction of, um, of the king or somebody anyway with a crown and a, and a, and a scepter. So, so probably the king. Um, and it's very lovely. It is lovely stained glass. Um, and above that stained glass is another crown above. So to cut a long story short, the, um, the conjecture from people who basically aren't out to, uh, look, well, I suppose, are, are a bit more cynical about whether this is a, the evidence of, of Edward V being uh, in this tomb. Representations of a patron or of the monarch um, is not unusual at all in chantry chapels, and that that is possibly what we are seeing is a chantry chapel of a servant of uh, Edward the Fourth or uh sorry yeah edward the fourth or edward the fifth and um and, and yeah so 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 that that would not be unusual for this kind of depiction it means that the evidence is pretty shaky it's coincidental um rather than solid and 
therefore needs a lot more looking into. And as I said at the beginning of this, what I would be looking for in the book that Philippa Langley has has published and in the Channel 4 documentary is the answer to, um, to, to some of these questions that I now have. And like I say, I, I, maybe we'll revisit this. We can watch the program, we can read the book and reconvene and see what we all reckon. Um, there's nothing in this that explains what happens to his younger brother. So when Edward V is taken into the, or isn't allowed to leave the Tower of London after his um, his uncle decides that he's illegitimate and that he needs to uh, uh, be, that he needs to take over, doesn't explain why he doesn't. Uh, it doesn't explain actually why he doesn't let them go, but it doesn't explain why if he lets Edward go, he doesn't let. Richard, Duke of York, go. Um, there doesn't. What is the advantage for Richard of allowing his uh, nephew to go into exile? The nephew that he has delegitimized, that has lots of support in terms of the Woodvilles and the Greys. Th this boy has got a lot of backing. So, what would be what would be the advantage to Richard of letting him go into exile? Also, I can't think of any other example, that doesn't mean there aren't any, of people allowed to go into exile within the country. And um, someone mentioned um, in, in an article that, well, this, this, this church is kind of really hard to get to. It's down, you know, muddy, rutty lanes. Well, everywhere was. Everywhere was. <laughs> this is not any more remote than anywhere else. Um, the, the road structure in England at this time and indeed throughout the Tudor period until the, the dawn of coaches, actually, is rubbish. It's rubbish. So the idea that oh it's really remote, so how odd um, is 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 um, it, it yeah it's it's a, it's not a it's not a good um, argument. So um, so why would Richard have him in exile within the country, within the same country when um, Thomas Gray, Marcus of Dorset, is exiled? He's exiled to Calais under arrest effectively, under, you know, close supervision. There doesn't appear to be close supervision of John Evans. Um, and if you are John Evans, why do you live out your life quietly as a, um, a Deer Park, um, uh, what do you call them? Man, Parker, and then decide to create a tomb with your with your picture above with you crowned and you know oh actually all along I was Edward V um it's um it, it doesn't really add up does it um so also why it, so he, he's on the estate by the way this is within the, the estate like I said earlier of Thomas uh Gray Marcus of Dorset so his his would be Edward V's uh, half brother um 
so why but why does he have to work then if he's if he's his half brother and presumably thomas gray would know this why is why is he why does he work why does he work there doesn't seem to be so he's in exile apparently but with no guard and and he's going to work he's going to now work for a living okay so it's not clear to me why richard iii would put him into exile it's certainly not clear why he would put him into exile in the same country then we have to believe that uh, henry the 7th takes over this um acceptance that Edward V is in the country. And then we have to believe that um, Henry VIII also does um, because he dies. Um, so John Evans dies in 1511. So we're, what, two years into Henry VIII's reign. So we're supposed to believe that he dies, that he survives the rest, well, that he survives Richard III's reign of two years and then... Um, and then all of Henry the Seventh reign, Seventh reign, and then into Henry the Eighth's reign. Okay. Um, now Dorset actually, so Dorset, the the owner of this, um, his half brother, who was owner of the estate, he was exiled during the uh, reign of Henry the Seventh. He and like I said, he went to Calais. He was under guard in Calais. He was brought back at the beginning of Henry VIII's reign when actually there was um, what David Starkey uh, describes as a Yorkist revival because Henry VIII was very keen to uh, press his his York and his Lancastrian um, uh, you know, descent. Uh, he's the embodiment of, of the Tudor regime, the, the house that's it's all brought together. Um, and so, um, yeah, so the Marcus of Dorset is actually brought back at that time um, in a sort of, uh, in, 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 in very high favour. Um, so, yeah, we're also asked to believe that Richard, yeah. So the end of, I've written down here, we're asked to believe that Henry, sorry, excuse me, that Richard III actually believed his brothers to be illegitimate. Uh, his sorry, his nephews to be illegitimate, the brothers. Um, and this is what I'm looking out for: is this narrative of actually, you know, there's nothing in Richard's thinking that is anything but uh, for the good. Now, I happen to think that um, that that Richard may well be thinking after all the blood that he has on his hands by the time his brother Edward the Fourth dies to have got him to that position, that he was not prepared for the country to go backwards and fall into civil war again, potentially, because of there being a 12-year-old boy on the throne and therefore not really uh, on the throne as such. It would be, you know, power factions. And, you know, that has never gone well. Or well, it's not gone well in the majority of, yeah, I mean, the whole kind of started the whole thing off in the beginning. So um, so in one way, yeah, I, I can see why Richard III wouldn't want the boys, uh, sorry, excuse me, wouldn't want Edward V uh, sort of on the throne. However, are we really believing that, um, that he suddenly is so, uh, um, he's so convinced by the argument that 
Edward IV's marriage to Elizabeth Woodville wasn't valid. This hasn't come up before. Um, that that he he decides that that the best thing is to lock the boys away in the tower and and what? Where are they? Where do they go? Um, so just take a kind of um, equivalent example where Henry VIII, you know, starts to believe that his marriage to Catherine of Aragon is uh, invalid because she married, she was married initially to, first of all, to his brother Arthur. You know, we kind of look at Henry VIII and go, yeah, it didn't, did he really believe that? Did he really believe that? And this is sort of, in my mind, sort of equivalent. Are we really believing that Richard III believed the boys to be illegitimate? So that the, the the only good thing, um, moral thing, whatever to do is to take the throne as 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 being legitimate himself, and that then from that he's so. Um, uh, secure in his position that he decides that he can allow e Edward so presumably Richard I don't know this is one of the questions I'm hoping is answered in the book or in the um in the documentary that's coming out that we're supposed to believe that he lets them out to live their lives as gamekeepers um on the estates of their kin which Richard is uh is enemies with to all intents and purposes um that he doesn't mind that they're actually within a few days ride of london and that when he goes the the the, the identity of john evans as the actual ed the fifth never comes out during the lifetime of henry the seventh or uh, he dies a couple of years into the reign of henry the eighth um and yet when he dies, he decides to plaster it all over his tomb. Let's see when it comes out, whether we get the answers to any of those questions. That is what I'm going to be looking for. So feel free to comment yourself. Do you think I'm being too harsh? Do you think, I think, I think, you know, the, the level of evidence does, does need to be quite high um because the 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 evidence to the contrary to the, the, well, the to the main narrative that we get a lot uh, or we have got to up till now of Richard III has killed uh, killed the uh, the boys in the tower i mean even um so margaret beaufort seems to believe that like i say she, earlier she was involved in a um a plot to try and um to try and uh, release uh, rescue the boys from the tower and then there appears to be no uh, plan anymore when it's sort of accepted that well, it's accepted that the boys are actually dead. So um, yeah, we shall see. So I have um, a few little things that I will tell you about before I go. One, I have just done a impromptu, a little bit of an extra bonus uh, interview with Gareth Russell uh, about Armistice Day. So if any of you have read. Um, uh, his book well actually it's relevant to the last two of his books um do let's have another drink which is the uh sort of biography of or, uh, yeah through anecdotes of uh queen mother queen elizabeth the queen mother and his the palace book sorry to any of you uh, who are uh, across the pond because you won't have been able to get hold of the palace yet but 
but there are stories in both of those books relevant to um, Armistice Day or Remembrance uh, and Remembrance Sunday, which is this Sunday in the UK. So that bonus episode will go out to members of my Patreon on um, Saturday and to um, and on general release on Sunday. So it's a bit of a bonus, bit of an extra. Um, that is a really interesting um, uh, discussion about the origins of the ceremony, the commemoration. You know, it, it looks really regimented as to what we do now for that, but it's um, it's uh, it's really. Um, the, the origins of it is incredibly, incredibly interesting and poignant. Um, so, yes, um, and also a reminder that the Tudors Online History Festival is next Friday, starts next Friday. So if you haven't got your tickets for that already, please do go along to the Tudors2023.eventbrights.co.uk. The tickets are £20 and you get seven talks a live Q&A with the speakers and um, and a live little quiz at the end. You also entered into a free prize draw. I think we've got six or seven uh, prizes. We've got signed books. We have Amazon vouchers. Um, uh, we have an audible version of Tracy Borman's book. And also one, uh, one winner will get the, their, their ticket refunded. But yeah, for £20, you get seven talks. We have Gareth. Uh, Russell, who I've just talked about, Tracy Borman, Cat uh, Marchant, Illyrie Lynn, uh, Joanne Paul, Estelle Peronk, and James Clark. Incredible speakers. Um, you will really, really enjoy the talks. And obviously, you will have a chance to put your questions to them as well in the live Q&A. So like I say, if you want your tickets for that, please do go along. Oh, and I, sh I should say, even if you can't make it live or you can make part of the weekend and, and not other parts, all of the talks and recordings of the live events will be available until the 31st of January. So as long as you've bought your ticket um, before the event, you will have access to, to those talks. And it's thetudors2023.eventbrite.co.uk. Right, everyone, I am off. For today, uh, well, not quite actually. If you're around later, History After Dark, it is the final finale of the Deceased Git series. We will be going through all the 26 candidates for uh, Git of 2023, Deceased Git of 2023, um, seeing where we put everyone, having a bit of discussion about whether we would, should, probably won't, but change the, uh, the scorings for anybody uh, and uh, officially announce the winner. So if you want to come along to that, it's history.after.dark on Instagram and historyafterdark on YouTube. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed that. Please feel free to put in the comments about what you think about um, the evidence so far. Uh, let me know if you read Philippa Langley's book and what you think of it. And I think I will revisit this uh, in a... In a, um, a few, when I when I've managed to read the book, which I'm I've got a pile like this, you know what you know what life's like. So, um, but yeah, I think we will revisit this at some point. So, thank you ever so much for joining me. Hopefully, I'll see you tonight on History After Dark, or I will see you next week here. All right, see you soon. Bye bye, bye everyone.